being salesy every now and then, but at the end of the day, like a big part of being attractive is just being transparent. Hey, this is what's going on. Or, Hey, this is some education that we feel like would benefit people or, Hey, this is uh behind the scenes. So at the end of the day, you know, we just want to continue to put things out there that we feel like. I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, hey, welcome back on the show. Today, we have Josh Funk, physical therapy, physical therapist and physical therapy practice owner, colleague of mine. A special shout out to Dr. Bo Babenko for the introduction. Uh, Bo wanted to get Josh on here. Josh, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Thanks for having me. I've been following along for a little while and uh, become more and more of a fan each time I see the pod. Likewise, well, I appreciate it. Uh, so for the audience, if they don't know, I, I believe you're kind of like in the Maryland area, but you've got a ton of practices. You're growing rehab to performance. We're going to get into, if you're watching, you're listening, whatever it might be, I want to get into Josh's growth, the practice. Also, they do a ton of stuff on Instagram with videos. And I heard, I think, Josh, I think I heard you say something about like, you also do it for attracting candidates and physical therapists, as well as patient facing videos that are about conditions and injury and all that. So I want to kind of get into your growth. I also want to kind of get into what you guys are doing for marketing, because obviously, it looks like those videos could serve two purposes. One, for on the patient marketing side of things that, for content, but then also to attract candidates and physical therapists and other team members who might kind of see inside your clinics and kind of see the culture and the tone and and all of that type of stuff. So um, give us a little bit of background in terms of like where you guys are at now. And I know you're on like the Inc. 5000 list and you guys are growing every year. Just a little context about like your size and scale and how many team members, how many clinics and all that. Absolutely. So Rehab Perform started in December of 2014. So we just had our nine-year anniversary. We have a staff of just over 80, I think 82 at this point. We've been on the Inc. 5000 for the past four years. We should be on it a fifth year. We're regularly growing anywhere between 40 to 60% annually at this point in time. And we have nine locations and we just announced that we're going into Baltimore County. So our 10th location will be open in either April or May. That's awesome. And I just caught one of your posts where you had someone else on your team cutting the ribbon. Your hands were behind your back. And I'm just yeah. looking at that. Like, and a lot of people won't even notice that. And I look at that and I'm like, damn, like that, like Josh is obviously like, I mean, you're still in the spotlight, but like you're obviously, I'm assuming, I have no idea. I'm assuming that was a clinic director or someone cutting the ribbon. And you with your hands behind your back, that just said like a ton about you. I feel like even before Bo introduced us, like I just, I feel like from the videos and your posts and all that, like I feel like I already know a lot about you and like your style and all that. So congratulations on the growth. That's incredible. No, it's been great. Ribbon cutting serves as a sentimental thing, especially for entrepreneurs, people who have entrepreneurial like spirit, but maybe don't have the, you know, the risk tolerance that I do. And they will be operating in that location a lot more than I will be operating. So hopefully giving them a sense of ownership. It might be something small, might just be a gesture, but I think it goes uh, far beyond that and really carries into everything else that we do. That's awesome. Have you had any of those clinic directors where they 
get some, you know, free founders equity in, in a clinic or some revenue share, profit share, or they pony up some money and they buy some equity in an office? Or is it 100% owned by you? We do everything from profit sharing. And then as of recently, a units distribution. So working more in that direction, I'd be lying if things like an ESOP didn't have my attention, units distribution, potentially looking a little bit more at some of the people out there, like I believe it's Therapeutic Connections is a company that's doing similar things. But you know, your law firm, how do people get into the the cycle? How do they add value both from a monetary standpoint and through their own sweat equity? And how do they end up getting a greater piece of the pie? That's awesome. That's great. So nine locations about to be 10. What's like your biggest challenge at this point? Like you're probably working on vision and strategy and all that type of stuff. And you have a lot of these clinic directors and all that. What's like a, a current strategy or, or challenge or, or focus for you right now? I'd say the biggest thing is growing personally. I've realized over the years that as long as I continue to be reflective over where my pain points are, and where my shortcomings are, I'm going to continue to build a better foundation for the company to grow off. You know, a leader has to continue to grow in order to have a growing company. And I've really, really just overall just enjoyed the the journey in itself of getting to different roadblocks or getting to different pain points and largely putting myself in a situation. Well, I signed up for this. So I need to do what I can to make sure that I solution up and make sure that I'm controlling what I can control, use all of the amazing people that we have on our team. And we do such a good job of, uh, of our feedback loops, but ideally, you know, allowing us to use what might be a hurdle or a roadblock to others as a springboard for our growth. Awesome. How about in terms of just like payment model, insurance, all that? Like, I think I checked your website a while ago and, and I think I saw that you guys are like mostly in network with most payers. Is that pretty much the case still? Yep, it's the case. We certainly have some offices where people will self-pay more. You know, three of our offices in particular are in very, very high household income regions. Those locations certainly will have more people paying out of pocket, but then we also have other areas that are not quite. So it's a good mix. But at the end of the day, we're doing what I've wanted to do from the get-go while also adding some cash-based services as we go along. Cool. And like our model, we're, we bill some out of network insurances and then also we're cash out of pocket, private pay, whatever you want to call it. So with those three regions or those three areas where you have like a, like an area of affluence or high net worth individuals, those folks probably still have in network benefits, right? So like, why would they, obviously like if they have extra resources, like they have the ability to just pay out of pocket for whatever, like why would they, like, why wouldn't they just use some of their in-network insurance just because they're, you know, wealthy? Some of them are self-employed and apparently you get to a certain level where you're not really worried about your tax for not having health insurance. So you, you have a mix of what you're referring to. And then also individuals that just go, well, what's the point of even having insurance? I just pay out of pocket regardless anyway. Got it. Yeah, it makes sense. It's interesting. DC area, man, people have money. So like money, like I would never even believe stuff that you see on TV. You know what I mean? What are like down there? I mean, obviously there's like politicians there. Uh, Steve Case, like he was the founder or CEO of uh, AOL at one point. I mean, I know there's like a lot of investors down there. What are some of the other like big like industries? I know Under Armour is down in that area in like the Maryland area. What are some of the other like big employers or big industries down there? Yeah, I would say, I mean, GovCon's really, really big. I mean, I think anything remotely associated with the federal government, you have a lot of entrepreneurs that have 
found ways to deliver value in the relationship between public and private. And overall, I mean, DC is one of the top, probably top five cities in the United States. So this span of the business community can be a mix of anything and everything. Got it. So you guys are growing like smoothly and, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a little, there's always, you know, some chaos and challenge, but like, it looks like you guys are doing great. You mentioned cash pay and, and out-of-pocket services. So I know you probably do like some like sports, like programming and like sports performance. And at some point, like some of those things, like maybe someone's discharged from like a formal plan of care, and then they're, they go into some, you know, private pay or out-of-pocket service. What are some other things that you guys are doing that's out-of-pocket or private pay service in terms of, you know, offerings and services? Yeah, a lot of the stuff can be either viewed in two buckets. I mean, one, it's either maintenance and somebody's coming back into the office and they're having more of a hands-on manual therapy, dry needling, tools, cupping-oriented session. Or you're ending up with an individual that's in an off-ramp um, like RHB Plus, where we're doing some kind of distance fitness coaching with an individual. They enjoyed the relationship with a PT. They enjoyed the work on you know physical competency and different levels of physical capacity while they were with us. And they want to continue those touch points in some kind of a, a step-down or transitional program. But you know, at the end of the day, we we've done a really good job of, I think kind of staying on our lane as well. I mean, early on, I was doing personal training and small group training within the company. But when I would look at our referral report every week, and 10% of our new patient activations are largely from fitness contacts, I think it would probably be silly of me in, in an area where direct access is relatively unrestricted to bite the hand that feeds you. And we greatly pride ourselves on being a part of the healthcare continuum. We view our you know fitness partners as being a part of the healthcare continuum as well. So the more that we just keep those relationships open by not trying to trying to do too much and be a mile wide, you know, the better off that, that we are. You know, we, we're, we're a mile deep. At the end of the day, we're PTs. We can do certain things as it relates to, you know, transitional aspects of that spectrum. But um, our bread and butter at the end of the day will still be physical therapy or rehabilitative services. Got it. You guys happen to do anything that's like shockwave or laser, any of those other services that are out of pocket? No, we've talked about it. Until I have somebody in the company who really wants to dive in and do it, we'll just kind of keep focusing on what we got. Yeah, what you're doing makes sense. And do you have every, in every office, do you have the turf with like the the hash marks and all that, like a yeah. mini football field? Is that in most clinics? Every clinic. We got at least 20 yards in every clinic, anywhere between 12 to 15 feet wide. And then the rest of the clinic ideally looks like a mix of a you know, personal training studio. To some, it might look like a CrossFit box with how much rogue equipment we have. But we're trying to make sure that people understand that there's an intersection of healthcare and physical fitness and physical activity that goes on where we are. And obviously, big believers that the environment plays a big part in that. Got it. I want to get back to your Instagram and, and videos in a second. But when I first reached out, or no, when Dr. Bo connected us and we were talking, I mentioned like I was curious. And, and I don't know if you want to talk about it. If you don't, we certainly can skip it. But in terms of your growth, like, do you have investors? Is it something you raise money from? Is it like SBA loans and and like commercial debt, or is it just like reinvesting profits into the next location, the next location, and all that? All the latter. So we've done SBA in the beginning. We've done a handful of term loans, and then we recently did an SBA again at the beginning of last year. And then outside of that, just reinvestment of profits. So staying PT owned is going to be the the theme, especially as we grow. And I want to continue to incorporate more people from. Our team attract the next generation of talent to bring more quality PTs into the mix. But you know, I've, I've stayed away from the uh, big gorilla in the in the healthcare industry. 
stream and I was just at Graham Sessions and, you know, people were hard pressed to look at an environment where things have gone extremely well for the professionals. And that's where I'll be specific, but I have yet to hear of a PE company that has come in and because of the reimbursement that they are carrying in the company now, paying the professionals in that organization so well that they're setting a new market cap. There's no organization that I'm aware of, at least, that has set a new market rate in an area and been able to attract talent in the way that I would expect to, because the sell is always with scale, we can command more from a reimbursement standpoint. With scale, we can make things easier for all the parties involved. But I have yet to interact with a healthcare professional who operates in one of those environments who can tell me that that has happened. Or ideally, like, show me some figures, like, I mean, redacted or whatever, but like, I would, yeah, I would love to see like reimbursement rates from before. And then like you partnered with so-and-so and and, like now the reimbursement rates are higher. Yeah. Show me by PE getting into the fold that the environment that the PTs are operating in is improving. There might be some companies that have created tech that has been better as it relates to us transitioning away from paper EMR. There might be situations where you have education companies and it's easier for them to provide asynchronous information or other educational offerings. But in terms of the workplace, in terms of elevating the profession in the healthcare industry, you would expect some of these things to eventually start to occur. And I just haven't seen them yet. Yeah. I want to come back to reimbursement and uh, salary negotiations, that type of pressure. We're talking about marketing. You guys put out a lot of videos. So with your social media, like your Instagram specifically, is that specifically for patient-facing marketing? Or is it like this piece of content is going to be patient-facing, this next piece of content is going to be... Because you talk, you've talked about like clinical education and like you've talked about a lot of things. So, And then I know you guys do... There's like an academy that you have as well. So was the Instagram specifically just initially for patient-facing marketing? Or was it always like two buckets, patient-facing marketing, and then also to attract candidates and potential team members? Yeah, I mean, I view social at this point as kind of being like a trifecta. Like I have my own personal stuff that I try to keep a cadence on. We have our Rehab to Perform account now, which is consumer facing. And then the Academy largely is professional facing. So, you know, it's it's nice to be able to operate with three different areas where we can be a little bit more specific with the content that we're creating. But in the beginning, it was just it was just me and R2P and obviously other professionals in our company creating content. And, you know, I'm a big believer of the the quote, be attractive, don't chase. And you're trying to create as much attraction as possible for your organization, what you have going on without being too salesy. You know, there's nothing wrong with being salesy every now and then. But at the end of the day, like a big part of being attractive is just being transparent. Hey, this is what's going on. Or, hey, this is some education that we feel like would benefit people. Or, hey, this is uh, behind the scenes. So at the end of the day, you know, we just want to continue to put things out there that we feel like highlight our team, highlight something special going on at a location, highlight a a person, highlight a person's story. And then the professional side, you know, continue to put out a certain amount of thought leadership that makes us attractive when it comes to sports, orthopedics, you know, we're adding pregnancy and postpartum. Concussion care has been something we've had for about a year or two. So ideally putting our our clinicians also in a situation where they have a pipeline to build out a, a career a little bit more. And we feel like, you know, we're a place for a lot of people. It might not be a place for everybody. But one of the things I'll also pride myself on is we now have five people that have been a member of our staff that are in pro sports. 
So if at the end of the day, we have the right people that come in here, they leave their impact on our organization. They, you know, they pour their blood, sweat, and tears into what, what we have going on. They're going to leave our place better off than, than when they found it. And ideally continue to serve as a, you know, pipeline for the, the, the next person that maybe wants pro sports and Hey, I've got an automatic connection for you. So, you know, social media goes a lot of different directions. The one thing that I will say as it relates to a main pain point in healthcare in general is if you're not thinking of your marketing funnel for talent, like you think of your marketing funnel for clients, which involves awareness, interest, and engagement, then you're missing the boat. And that's a big part of it for us. Mm. So you mentioned talent, like attracting talent or hopefully not having talent leave. You have the upward pressures, uh, cost of living and, you know, the past year or two, some inflation and interest rates are higher and all that. And then you have reimbursement like you touched on that is plateauing or in some cases declining. So at some point in the next, I don't know, three, five, 10 years, like, have you made projections? Does that keep you up at night? Like, if some of these in-network payers or or all these in-network payers that you have, you have nine, now 10 locations, you have 80 staff members, and they're all going to want to have increased compensation or salary at some point, even if they're front desk folks or admin folks or whatever, everyone's going to be negotiating for higher pay moving forward. What are some things like, what, like is that a concern? I'm, I'm sure it's on your radar, but like, how do you think of that? How do you like make sense of that? I think everybody who gets into healthcare is aware that at some point you're going to hit a cap unless you end up in a leadership position. So I have not ran into a conversation where somebody thinks that you're going to be able to get an inflation bonus every single year. Maybe I'm talking to different people, but I either have people who are just very, very aware of the industry that they're entering, or they've been exposed to that information through somebody else potentially at one point or the other. So, you know, front desk, you can obviously get to a certain point. PT-wise, you can get to a certain point. If you're only able to command a certain dollar for your services, you're not getting 25 years of uh, of raises. So yeah, you've got things like inflation. You've got, you know, everybody talks about reimbursement. I mean, knock on wood, I haven't seen our reimbursement go down outside of, really outside of Medicare in the nine years. You know, our commercial payers are still at the same, if not a little bit better. Um, and hopefully after this year's negotiations, maybe even a little bit better, but we'll we'll see how it goes. At the end of the day, I got to run a better business. I got to run a more cost-effective business. We're messing around a lot more with virtual kiosks right now, given the fact that you know maybe we don't need as many people up at the front. Maybe need more of a hybrid role. Maybe there's more of platoons or teams. But if I can have less people but pay less people more money, that's a retention strategy in itself. And then if there's some flexibility with regards to work from home thrown in, you know that's an additional layer. I think tech also has the ability to automate tedious tasks. And the more I can automate tedious tasks, the more enjoyable a work environment is for people to potentially operate under. And then, you know, it's up to us. If we keep scaling, we should be able to continue to provide more. And if we keep scaling, we should be able to negotiate to the point where our staff uh, sees the benefit of that. So it's really like anything. It's kind of an ecosystem-based approach. It's always stuff in the back of your mind. I would love to say that tomorrow I could pay my PTs you know, an average salary of 120 across the board. And that the front desk staff, although I do think they're paid pretty well, comparatively speaking, could also receive, uh, say, a 20% bump. If I were to pick one thing that lingers in the back of my head all the time, it's always, how do I increase pay? Always. Like that's, that is the nonstop. That's something that if I could solve that problem tomorrow and automatically give everybody a, even a 10% bump throughout the company. I mean, I'll talk about retention. Boom. Hey, I don't have to change anything. You can keep doing the same work and you just get a 10% bump right off the bat. That'd be nice for a lot of people, you know? But 
one thing that I, I, I can do is, you know, if we keep growing as a company, I do have more non-clinical roles pop up. I do have more side hustles that pop up for people. I mean, we're starting to get in the world where we have over 100,000 followers on social platforms. Are there more things that pop up as it relates to offering online services or getting more and more free stuff show up at the house or show up at the clinics and people wanting to have you, you know, put stuff out on on social media reels and YouTube content and stuff like you just just never know. All I can do is kind of focus on, you know, the the game that we're playing right now. And you know, I forgot who told me the other day, but might have been Sean uh, with Active Life. He was like, man, run up the score, like run up the score. You never know what happens when you run up the score. But at the end of the day, like a lot of people see people that run up the score. So maybe we're in a position right now. Where we need to run the score up a little bit and kind of figure out where that next opportunity lies. I don't really know. But then again, I didn't really expect to be where I am today. Uh, and to have some of the opportunities present themselves. So I, I, I try not to get too carried away again and, and things that I just can't control. Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like you're doing the right things. You talked about having some of those benchmarks and milestones kind of tied to billable units. And obviously, we're talking about ethical and compliant billing and all that. And many therapists under bill and under code anyway. So there's some, you know, some training and things like that, that can always help practice owners out there. And I do, I agree with you. I think like the future of what we're doing. So it doesn't matter if we're doing home visits, like we're traveling to people, like what we're doing or brick and mortar, an office and clinic and a gym like you have, there's compliant ethical ways for therapists to make more compensation. And I think moving forward, it's just going to be an evolution of us as practice owners, training our team members to kind of counsel and and present, not necessarily be salesy, but present the other offerings that your and my practice has that you could call it a cross sale, you could call it an upsell, or just like, oh, you also have this issue and, you know, you're being discharged and, oh, you know, Josh's practice, you know, hey, we offer remote programming or you're going to be traveling for a while. So here's some remote programming, like whatever your platform, True Coach or any other platform, like here's a program, we can keep some eyes on you digitally, you know, you kind of do your your workouts from abroad or wherever it might be. And that would be another, it's, it's valuable for that patient or client. And it's something that your practice can monetize and then you can bonus therapists on top of that. You got it, man. That's exactly, that's exactly it. And I, I would love to, best case scenario for me, create a social media ecosystem and or enough of an audience that allows RPTs to decide how many in-clinic hours they want and how many home hours they want. Like that would be the best case scenario where we build enough of a brand and I tell people, what do we want to do? We want to run the DMV. I want to run the DMV, DC, Maryland, Virginia area. And then you start being able to attract an audience that if you're able to communicate a brand that goes beyond healthcare, you can start to get into some additional strategies. You know, we, we also are adding other professionals. We're adding, we added a dietitian last year. I'm in talks with a mental health professional. You start talking about certain things that maybe, uh, some of your higher net worth individuals might want. You might be able to have concierge opportunities. There might be more weekend or home-oriented opportunities that occur. But I also will always check myself and say, doing more isn't doing necessarily better. Doing better is doing better. So I, I always caution early people, and you know, it might just be the relevancy factor, but I'll never forget Alex Hermosi's video that I watched recently. One thing done well on one channel, take it to a million. Where we're at right now, honestly, is getting to the point where we're going to have million-dollar months. And when you have million-dollar months, you can start to have different conversations because you have scale in place. 
that you can start to very easily bolt on things like we bolted on nutrition last year uh, and have it go really, really well. Um, and it, it is because of the commitment to doing one thing well, not trying to be a serial entrepreneur right out of the gates. And that was where I kind of had to correct myself earlier with trying to do fitness on top of doing PT, like narrow your focus, get a mile deep, and then potentially allowing yourself to be in the position where you can look around once you've established yourself. That's awesome. Well, we covered a lot in a short amount of time. What's a good place for the audience to connect with you, whether it's Instagram, email address, your website, LinkedIn, wherever it might be? DR Josh Funk. That's Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, or X, whatever people want to call it now. I'd be happy to connect with you on LinkedIn. Always happy to talk shop. I'll probably uh, respond with an audio message. I'm not the best texter. But if you get an audio message from me, you know, just know that that's normally how I roll. That's awesome. I didn't get one. I'm setting this up, I don't think. Ah, those are quick and easy. Quick and easy. Quick and easy. <laughs> yeah. I get people all the time and they ask me for like in-depth and I'm like, I'm not going to type an in-depth response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Save, save the thumbs. Boba Benko, thank you again for the connection here. Dr. Josh Funk, awesome to have you on the show and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you guys find this helpful and valuable. Josh, thanks for your time. We'll catch you next time. Appreciate it, Dave. Thanks very much, man. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com or You can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.